fascinating facts, candid conversations, and some levity to lighten your day. This is The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Hey, welcome to the program. So glad you're with me. Let me give out the phone number right now on this Monday so you can call in and talk to me for free. 888-914-9149. It's the Feast of the Guardian Angels today. There's never any shortage of people who are excited to talk about angels. They're so ever curious about them. And if so, if that means you, you're going to want to call in and grab a line. I've got a great guest coming up in just a minute, and I'm sure that you're going to want to call in and react to what he says about the angels, the guardian angels, 888 You can also follow me on the X app, at Kale Clark, C-A-L-E, Clark with an E. Great way to get your question to me, or if you have a link that um, you want to share with me, you want to become a shadow producer of the show, uh, you can do that. You can find me there on X, or you can send me an email, kale, C-A-L-E, at relevantradio.com. Well, let's get right into it, shall we? It's it's October the 2nd. We are, I can't believe October's here already, but so many great feast days in October. Now, of course, it was superseded by the Sunday Mass yesterday, by October the 1st, St. Therese of Lisieux. Today, today, October the 2nd, is the Feast of the Holy Guardian Angels, and I have a very, very special guest, and I know you're going to love what he has to say. You're going to be really intrigued by this conversation. He stopped by earlier today. So without any further ado, let's get to that interview. Here it is. My guest right now is a great friend of the Kale Clark Show. He is an art historian. He is also a priest. He's a chaplain at Earnscliff College at the University of Toronto and the host of the excellent In Your Presence podcast, Father Eric Nikolai is back on the program. Father, it's so good to have you. How are you doing today? Hi, Gail. Great to be here with you. Oh, well, thank you for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Obviously, it's a big feast day today, the Feast of the Guardian Angels, October the 2nd. And I think that most of us are familiar with the concept of angels, especially in art. And uh, this probably isn't the best example of uh, angelic art. I remember my wife and her college roommates, they had this painting of cherubic angels sitting around smoking cigarettes. I don't think that's one of the great masterworks, and you can probably uh, confirm that notion. But but I, I wanted to ask you about the uh, the history of angels in art, because this is something that you're intimately familiar with. W- when was the first time that angels started to show up in the in the art world? Well, the first first time it would be hard to say, but uh, I think the key element here to consider is that angels are not present only in Christian art. They're not only even in uh, you know Jewish uh, painting or Jewish art, but even in pagan pagan works of art, right? Really, uh, yeah, and certainly even in Islam, we see uh, angels. Even in Persian <laughs> Persian art, like those ancient manuscripts uh, from from Persia, where, for example, you would see wings and just like a little face. Not a body, but just like a kind of a face in the middle of the wings, you know? And those, those were later adopted by Christians. But that idea with wings and just a little face, like from early, early Middle mm-hmm. Ages, uh, that, just that way of representing it is, is Persian, right? But like, wow. I was thinking about, like, yeah, what, what is the, you know, like, what is the earliest? And I don't know exactly the earliest, but I can at least think of, uh, a very famous pagan statue, the winged victory of Samanthres, Samanthres, hmm. uh, it dates like the second century BC, and it's a 
just a very you know ancient uh, you know uh, marble statue that was used at the head of these uh, military ships, and that was discovered. I don't know how long ago it was done, relatively recently it was discovered kind of embedded in the sand and therefore it was protected. And so it's now, you know, in a, in a museum in the, in the Louvre, you know? the mm. winged victory of Samantha. So victory is like this celestial being for the, for the pagans that kind of protects an army in battle. And mm. this classical, you know, motif there really had later on a great, great uh, influence in the way of representing angels, just the way of representing them, right? With, a, with you know, these wings and, and like, nice drapery and a tunic, you know? <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So, you know, uh, if, when I think about the oldest, that that's what I would go to, even though it's not, mm. strictly speaking, a Christian uh, image. Wow. You're listening yeah. to The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. My guest is art historian Father Eric Nikolai. We're talking about angels. So you're saying this sort of cherubic, this idea of, of, of baby angels, if you will, that, that sort of comes from the Persians and, and their art. And, and the wings, mm-hmm. the wings have to do with victory. So when, mm-hmm. we're talking, when we're talking about angels, though, in the Bible, uh, obviously it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a different ballgame. Every time, for example, if you, if you see a, a cherubic angel with, with nice wings, looks very cute and chubby, that's not really going to terrify you, but every time somebody encounters an angel in Scripture, it's a pretty unsettling experience, isn't it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and and for sure, uh, you know, angels have been represented in more, you know, dramatic ways. The cherubic uh, form is maybe a much later way, but I mean, the fact is that angels are like completely constant in the history of art, and they have different uh, expressions different ways. There was a time that they hardly had any wings at all. The idea, mm-hmm. some, some art historians say that the idea of wings uh, added in art was more later, right? So wings do appear in scripture themselves, but to represent an art, you know, how do you represent something that is spiritual, right? Totally spiritual, mm-hmm. right? And uh, so the wings, well, you know, you're, if you have wings, you're like a bird, you can fly, you know, it kind of suggests the idea of the immaterial, right? Or, or spiritual you know? but they're like the, there's a famous uh, uh, early Christian sarcophagus called mm. the sarcophagus of Junius Bassus it's in the Vatican wow. Museum and in that it's all marbles it's a really beautiful shape and there there is a, an image of the or a sculpture of the images of uh, sacrifice of Isaac and uh, and you know the classical form and you see Abraham there about to yeah. You know, he's got his knife in his hand. He's about to do away with Isaac. <laughs> and there is this guy, like a guy, like a looks like a teenager, huh. a little bit taller than Isaac. He's saying, uh, no, you don't have to do that. <laughs> you know? But if you were to look at that, you didn't know what the story, you would not think this is an angel. It just looks like a guy, you know, also wearing a toga, kind of like, a, almost looks mm-hmm. like, it's a, well, that, like he's a friend of Abraham, but, but actually he's an angel. Right? So other times the, the angels are represented in very, very, uh, sort of uh, uh, winged fashion. You know, sometimes it's a, a man, sometimes it's clearly a woman. Mm-hmm. A but woman, okay. always, almost always standing, almost always standing. Like, you think, why would an angel be represented as a man, or, or for that matter, as a woman, you know, like a human being? I mean, they're, <laughs> they're spiritual beings, like they don't have bodies. You know, why, mm-hmm. why would we represent them? And I think one of the reasons is because of their intellectual nature. For us to see a like a you know, basically a, a human being tells us well 
this creature has an intellect, you know, and is able to communicate a message, even though we know angels as such don't have bodies, but we represent them like that. And they're standing, well, that, it gives you a sense of uh, authority, and, you know, and mm. power. You know, so that's 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 that interesting. Yeah, in terms of in terms of that, it's it's intriguing to think about the angels. My guest is Father Eric Nikolai, art historian. We're talking about the angels. We're going to talk about the guardian angels in just a second. But when you think about the angels, we're talking about preternatural intelligence, as you said, they're pure spirits. I mean, we're talking about a being that's way smarter than Stephen Hawking. You know, wealthier in a sense than than Elon Musk, much more so, more powerful than. General Patton. I mean, they, they they have some serious firepower at their disposal to help us as well, don't they? Yeah, I mean that largely is due to the fact that they're 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 not uh, incarnate, they're not material, right? they don't have a body. And uh, you know, you imagine for us to know something like we could know, for example, I could know humanity, you know, mankind. I could understand the concept of mankind, and I can. Mm-hmm. I can conjure up like maybe all the people I know. I know such and such a people. I know my family. I know these other friends. So I know X number of people. But when I say mankind, I can imagine mankind, but I can't know everybody like in the world that has mm-hmm. existed. Mm-hmm. But the angels, since they are not limited by their material nature, they can not only know mankind, but they can know every single being, like every wow. human being. Like they know, they know you and me, you know, like they know what we're, what we're up to, right? So like they're not limited. So you know, it's like it's like it, it, they they can go all the way. So that's part of the reason that the intellect, which is of course great, it's also not limited by material like brain power, if you like, you know, limitations wow. like which is our case. Yeah, that, that, so they're a, pretty they're pretty smart. That's a fantastic. That's a that's an incredible thing to think about. You know, they 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 literally they they know what we did last summer. That's for sure. Um, this idea, I, I really like that concept that, that we, we sort of can understand humanity in the universal sense, in the general sense, but they have particular knowledge of every actual person that's on the planet right now, and, and probably whoever was in, in, in a certain sense. Uh, that is pretty mind-boggling mm-hmm. to think about. And I just, I just want to get, maybe this is a good transition point, Father, to talk about guardian angels for a second. And, and the gospel reading for today's Feast of the Guardian Angel comes angels comes from of course matthew chapter 18 and jesus says uh, in that gospel passage he says see that you do not look down on one of these little ones for i tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my father in heaven now this is obviously one of the key passages father for the doctrine of guardian angels but can you can you tell us a little bit more about what the church actually teaches about guardian angels, individual guardian angels, because a lot of people are super curious about this. Yeah, I mean, angels in general, right, they were created for the sake of uh, uh, bringing about communion of mankind, right, of men and women, obviously, with God, right? So, uh, like, like think it, what the Catechism says, I, I found this, like, it's pretty fascinating, the idea that the world itself, like the entire universe, was created for the sake of the church. It's like, mm. God wanted to create the church with all, you know, human beings and souls and stuff. So it's okay, where am I going to put the church? I'm going to create the universe, right? Because the purpose of the church is communion with God through incorporation with Christ and the life of the Blessed Trinity. So that means that the first members 
of the church were the angels. You know, wow. God wanted, <laughs> like he wanted them, they're the first members of the church, he wanted them for the sake of bringing about this communion with himself, mankind, and with himself. Of course, so, so the angels have communion with God, but they're there to facilitate that communion. And so, uh, so that means that God can create a specific uh, human being, because so you're conceived, you're born, and so for every human being that is born, he creates a, a guardian angel that, I guess in a certain sense, you know, there's no time, so he would have been mm. always existing, just waiting, waiting for you to like, get, get born, man, get born. <laughs> so once you're born, once you're born, that's his role. And what is his role? To bring about that communion that God so desires for us, well, in the Blessed Trinity. That's his, that's his purpose. So we see there's two things that uh, guardian angels are there to do. They're there, of course, guardians. So they guard and protect us, mm-hmm. both materially, physically, but also um, like spiritually from dangers you know, that will lead us away from God. Right? So they, they guard us from that. But also, I mean, they also have a, a task of illuminating. You know, the, the image of the angels of God looking on the face uh, of God like that constantly, and that these children, mm-hmm. you know, have these angels looking at God. So that's what an angel can do. He can illuminate us. So the image I like to use is imagine, you know, you've had a fight with your wife or something, or her husband, is, husband and wife have had an argument. So the husband's now at work. He said, Why? I, should, I shouldn't have said that. That was really, that was mm. bad. I'm going to resolve to apologize. Right then. And so, like, where did he get that? Well, that communion with his wife probably could be said to be prompted by an angel that is saying, you know, maybe you should, like, apologize for saying that. Or it could be somebody, you know, who needs to do work, but he's lazy, he doesn't want to do his chores or something. And the angel say, well, if you do your chores, this will bring about greater you know, virtue and therefore greater communion with God. So like this idea of illumination, right? Uh, the angels can carry that message mm-hmm. from God because it's really God that is, is wanting this for us, but right. the angels serve as instruments to bring this uh, about. And I think, I think of this, for example, I read this yesterday. We had the feast of uh, St. Therese uh, of Lisieux, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And she, there's a be- I mean, it's just a very moving passage where she's talking about her great uh, uh, sort of uh, desires to serve God, to be, you know, an authentic member in the mystery, in the mystical body of Christ. And she's saying, yeah, but what, what am I? Look, I'm not, a, I, want, I have the desires like to be a priest in the sense of serving God like a priest, but I also want to be a martyr, you know. Mm-hmm. I also <laughs> want to be, you know, all these things that she so deeply desired. And she was not satisfied with just kind of like, being there and praying as a Carmelite, you know, she just like, like she had so many desires. Yeah. And then she got this illumination, which I think came from an angel that told her, well, look, uh, there are all kinds of members in any body, you know, arms, legs, head, but the, the, the thing that keeps you alive is your heart. And so you are mm. the pulsating heart at the center of the mystical body, sending good oxygenated blood to all the other members. Wow. So that's what she understood herself to be doing right there, praying and then sending graces to all the other members, you know. And I think that beautiful, profound idea, right, of the communion of saints that she felt herself to be, I mean, that somehow, somehow was transmitted to her uh, 
by probably her guardian angel. That's like an illumination, right? Like giving light, right? And they are, they are of course super intelligent. They know our role. They know what we can do and so forth, right? So they can help to incorporate us in, the, in, well, living our task, our role there in the, in the mystical body of Christ, right? Mm-hmm. And they, they play that a very fundamental uh, role. But they guard too. I mean, they protect us. They can protect us from falling into sin. And they say, don't, don't click on that. <laughs> That's mm. not good. It's not good. But yeah. then they can't, uh, they can't uh, sort of uh, remove our freedom. You know, we are still free. You know? But they're just saying, it's like an illumination. You know? It'd be better if you didn't do that or didn't waste your time here or, uh, I don't know, uh, you know, stopping us from saying harsh words to somebody or you know, all those things that would take us away from from God, right? So they can yeah. they can guard us. It's a kind of an illumination, but it's kind of guarding us from from sin. Wow, this is just profound stuff. There's so much to think about here, so much to pray about here, so much to give thanks to God for here. The gift of our guardian angels. My guest is Father Eric Nikolai. You're listening to the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Got to take a quick break right now, but we will be right back after this. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Helping you keep your mind off traffic and on the more important things in life. It's Kale Clark on Relevant Radio. Welcome back to the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. 888-914-9149 is the listener line to call in. My guest today is Father Eric Nikolai. He is a priest of Opus Dei. He's an art historian. He's the chaplain at Ernstcliffe College and a host of a wonderful podcast, which we'll uh, talk about in just a moment. But Obviously, on this Feast of the Guardian Angels, we, we always think about that prayer that we were taught as children, and, and hopefully we're still saying it today. Today's a great day to revive that practice if you've kind of left it by the wayside. Angel of God, my guardian dear, to whom God's love commits me here, ever this day or night, be at my side to light, to guard, to rule, and guide. And just before the break, we, we talked about uh, one one of the ways that the angels give us light, th- these illuminations that that the angels give us for a particular situation, and I think one of the great things we can do as well, Father, is we can actually. I, I, I'm in the practice, and, and <laughs> I know you are too, of, of greeting other people's guardian angels when you meet them, and maybe praying and asking them to kind of work things out with your guardian angels can really kind of smooth over some human relationships, can it? Yes, I mean, it helps us also when we're doing that to make an act of faith. Like, you know, this is not just me alone here talking maybe with, say, a difficult person or somebody, you know, who has a lot of uh, influence on my life, like a boss, you know, and I think I have to say the right thing. And, I, we, you know, we can get super stressed. But, but okay, just think, wait a minute, there's a guardian angel right there. You know, invoke him. <laughs> ask him to give you the right words and ask him to prompt your interlocutor right with <laughs> the right words, you know. And uh, and it just helps to have the presence of God. Like God obviously is present, but mm. you know, there's a whole spiritual world around us. Among them, like we have angels. As you're walking on the street, like there's tons. Like duplicate the people you see because because wow. each one has you know a guardian angel. You know, like like Saint Josemaria when he would go through a door, he had that habit. He would pause ever so slightly with this idea of letting his angel go first. You know, good manners. You know, like you, you, you <laughs> let the good guys uh, pass through. I mean, obviously, the angel <laughs> doesn't need a door. He goes through, you know, but uh, it uh, it was just a way for him to keep uh, the presence of God, right? And uh, and that just, you know, it was a detail that helped him uh, to remember that he's always uh, accompanied. 
and we can yeah. do that too, you know, when we're talking to others. So it, ke- it keeps us calm and <laughs> in the presence of God above all. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that. that. That's just a great, great supernatural reminder. And, and Father Eric, another aspect of, of this idea of the angels being associated with light, St. Augustine, you were, you were telling me that St. Augustine had an interesting theory about this, didn't he? Yeah, I, I was looking up where, where he says that. I don't remember exactly where he says that, but he had a, a deep interest in the uh, creation narrative in uh, in Genesis. So he would like go over that. He had a lot of kind of allegorical interpretations of every single line of the creation narrative. Hmm. And but one of the things I remember him saying uh, is that you know when in the, like like practically the first uh, couple of lines in Genesis it says, "And God said, let there be." light okay and uh, and it so it was but then a few days a few days few passages later or lines later it says and god divided the night from the day so wait a minute i thought there was light and now light and day i mean i'm sure people have lots of theories about this but according to augustine let there be light was when uh, god created the angels right? that was the creation of the angels themselves their light that that is it's a way of expressing their spiritual nature, right? And uh, uh, and so they were right there from the very beginning. But uh, their purpose really was to, uh, you know, to be, you know, at the center of the spiritual world, uh, worshiping God, and of course being at the behest of uh, Jesus, the Son of Man, right? Because um, the angels are the Son of Man; they belong to Him, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, when Jesus says, uh, you know, when the Son of Man comes with his angels, you know, yeah. and, like, they're his, you know, they're his uh, uh, messengers, if you like, if you like, right? So, and, uh, of course, Jesus had all existed. The second person, blessed Trinity, didn't need to be created. But the first sort of intelligent creations would have been those angels. And that's how uh, St. Augustine explains that passage. So that's why... You know, we read in the, in the creed, you know, God created all things. You know, you say in the, in the visible and invisible, you know? mm-hmm. light mm-hmm. from light to God from true God. So he created the visible universe, but also the invisible universe, right? And that, that yeah. of course, among that would have been the, the angels, the messengers sent uh, from God. You know? yeah. yeah. My guest is Father Eric Nicolai. You're listening to the K.O. Clark Show on Relevant Radio. I want to kind of get back to this whole idea of creation too because obviously god created all things and he created all things to be good including the angels but as we know there are some bad angels out there but they, it wasn't always the case can you can you tell our listeners a little bit more about uh how the demons including satan came to be well i mean the traditional <clears throat> explanation or narrative of that is that he god created these spiritual creatures that have intelligence and they have will. And mm. so they are personal and also immortal creatures. So you could say they surpass in perfection all visible creatures, right? And their splendor and their glory, right? And that, that says they, they bear witness to, you know, to, to the glory of God. But they have intelligence and in many ways they have like, this free will, but they have no material, um, you know, being as such to impede them in any way. So um, it's as though God created them all good, but uh, kind of invited them in some ways to exercise their freedom, to realize their real purpose as angels, which is to worship God and to be messengers of God. Uh, 
And for that, they had to know a little bit, let's say, God's plan of redemption. And they would have seen, even though it hadn't like begun yet, in, in like in a time sense, that mm-hmm. uh, God, you know, the second person of the Blessed Trinity, would take on flesh, would become incarnate through a woman, right? Like, and that's that for some of them said, "What? What? We're <laughs> we're we're totally like, why don't mm-hmm. why don't we get involved in the redemption? I mean, that's why we were created, right? Mm-hmm. So some of them would have seen what to them would have been much lower beings, i.e. human beings, with way lower intelligences, right? And we have to worship this, uh, you know, human being that uh, God becomes incarnate. We have to worship that. What? And so, mm. obviously, from the vast majority of them, I suppose, it was an opportunity to say yes and to serve God in this, uh, you know, that is to, you know, embrace the reality of incarnation. But then for others, for them to truly be free, they have to be free to reject that. And that's where we get uh, Satan. And of course, uh, you know, they could not repent from that. There, there was nothing, they, they had nothing about the decision that was cloudy, that was uh, not sure. Uh, you know, just like we, we make, we make mistakes. We repent. Oh no, I didn't understand. And, you know, um, and so we can repent, but they, like, like, there was no possibility of repentance for the angels because they had it, like, it was a pure act of rejection that is for the, you know, for the bad angels. And so it kind of, like, affected the whole rest of their being, right? So now, all those, those, um, you know, those demons, those, whatever, Satan, they, mm. they exist just to hinder, the opposite of what they were created for, right? To hinder God's, uh, work of redemption. Yeah, that, and so they they are they are present. They exist. You know. Yeah, unfortunately, and and I'm often asked the question. You're listening to the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. My guest is Father Eric Nikolai, talking about the angels, especially the guardian angels on this feast day of the guardian angels. I'm often asked the question: Could Satan repent? And the answer is no, because he made an eternal choice as an eternal, pure spirit. Whereas we, obviously, as you mentioned, Father, we can change our mind. We can we can repent. Um, which is a great grace that we're able to do this. We, we get do-overs, and uh, not that we should take advantage of that by any stretch of the imagination. And as the Book of Wisdom says, it was through envy, essentially, that the devil mm-hmm. became who he is and tempted our first parents. And, and uh, w- your answer really shed a lot of light on that. Well, w- with respect to the good angels, of course, uh, the great enemy uh, of the devil, other than our, our Lord, of course, is Saint Michael the Archangel, who's depicted in scriptures fighting against uh, Satan with the armies of heaven, the heavenly hosts. Talk, talk to me a little bit about the archangels in this whole hierarchy mm-hmm. of angels, because we just did on the 29th of September celebrate their feast day, and I know you mm-hmm. wanted to speak about that a bit. Yeah, I mean, I you know I love the archangels. Uh, you know, they have a very specific role. They're mentioned mentioned by name. They're mentioned by name in the scriptures. We've got Michael, of course, who, whose, you know, specific role is to protect the Church of God, to protect souls, right? And to protect the realization of God's redemptive plans, right? So, um, that would be like if you were to see his role, uh, he, he has that fundamental purpose to protect the Church, uh, protect the realization of God's, uh, redemptive plan. But, of course, in scripture, we also see the, the presence, of course, of Gabriel. Saint Gabriel, he he is the one who is, uh, you know, plays that role of, uh, of transmitting the most important redemptive messages. Right, Zechariah, 
in St. Luke, and then, of course, the Blessed Mother, right? Where he, where he of course, announces. He, he is the announcer, um, you know, the messenger par excellence, right? And so, like, Gabriel would be the good guy that we go to. What, what must I do? You know, what, what is the best decision? What does God want me to do here? And in that sense, uh, Gabriel can truly illuminate us in our passage through this earth. And, and then, of course, uh, Raphael, you know, Raphael, he accompanies the story of uh, Tobias. He, in the book of Tobit, uh, that he accompanies Tobias in order to eventually find his wife, uh, future wife, uh, Sarah. And, uh, Tobias was like barely aware that he was actually being <laughs> accompanied by an angel, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, yes, he protects, but, uh, you know, so one of the good things about, uh, St. Raphael is that, uh, he accompanies, uh, especially people in moments of I suppose you could say fragility or precariousness, especially when they're young, you know, when they're young, mm. they're opening their horizons to, you know, what am I going to be? What do yeah. I do in my life? You know, young people. So I often, when I deal often with young people, I pray to St. Rachel, the Archangel, you know, help these young people make good decisions. Because, you know, you think you're, you're young and then you've got, you know, say you die in, you don't know, 80 years from now. But the decisions you make now, you know, often affect oh, the yeah. whole rest of your life, you know, obviously, no you, marry, you know, all those things. So, so that's why, uh, you know, to feel accompanied in those fundamental decisions, even though they are one's own, uh, kind of gives a person a resilience, a certain courage right, that, um, well, is, is brought about by Raphael, who illuminates us, if you like, on the transcendence of our decisions. He illuminates us and gives us this courage to really see life as an adventure and not to kind of shelter ourselves in a protective uh, bubble, you know, and uh, because, you know, life has got to be an adventure and, and we've got to go for it because uh, that's, you that's know, true. at least one way we can serve God. So, yeah, absolutely. And, we can only do that in time and, and to, to make those bold choices uh, for God is, uh, is something he can help us with for sure, whether we're old or young. And, and, and father speaking, speaking of the young, speaking mm-hmm. of the young, and you mentioned Our Lady uh, a few moments ago, the, the encounter of the children of Fatima uh, with Our mm-hmm. Lady. There was there was an angelic involvement there, too, wasn't there? Yeah, so even before the appearance of the Blessed Mother, like this is imagine, though, like in the history of salvation, it's one of the most uh, powerful uh, encounters, of, you know, of God with, uh, you know, the human world. And it's as though it needed to be uh, the ground needed to be prepared for these these little, really children, you know. That uh, and so this is where they, they, the famous story of the angel, the angel Fatima in the Covadori area, around I think it was 1916, you know. And that and so they they watched him with what great reverence, you know. He kneeled down, right, and mm. and it's as though he was kind of like teaching them about reverence, teaching them about prayer, teaching them about. Uh, piety, if only just by his uh, gestures, right? So uh, he's transmitting a basic uh, preparatory message for, of course, seeing the beauty of uh, the Blessed Mother when they when she appears to them there, right? So in that sense, um, you know, he has a different role from Our Lady herself, you know, but he's necessary there, in this case, this angel. And, and often we see, um, you know, angels surrounding our Blessed Mother. You know, we have Our Lady of the Angels, Queen mm-hmm. of the Angels, right? And uh, so they are, those angels are there to just kind of facilitate our, um, our prayer and our union, you know, with the Blessed Mother and our union, obviously, with our Lord himself, right? So, um, 
yeah, they, they, so yeah, if, imagine if, if suddenly all the angels ceased to exist, I think the whole world would just like collapse, would fall oh, apart, wow. you know, because they hold up mm-hmm. material creation itself, you know, like, like you think, you know, the law of gravity, mm-hmm. yeah, but why does the law of gravity work? You know, why does it work? Well, because the angels have been, I mean, there's gazillions of them. So, you know, they, they actually ensure all those stable laws and properties of the universe for the universe to exist in such a way that we can be brought to God, right? And, and then, of course, they have also, they're in charge of all the spiritual realities, right? To bring us, uh, illuminate, you said, illuminate us, right? So, uh, you know, they, we, they're invisible. We don't really see them, but we have to give them more credit. Because uh, you know they deserve to be really deeply incorporated uh, in both in our life of piety, our, our own vocation, our day-to-day life, and even you know feeling protected materially by them. So every time we go into the car, we should say, "Okay, guardian yeah. angel, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, protect me here." And there are so many stories of yeah. people. You know, I mean, uh, one could go on and on of, of the amount of testimony there is of people. You know, getting lost, and some some man comes and guides them out of the woods or something, and, yeah. and then they, the person the person disappears, or whoever guided them. You know, there's so many of those stories, and on and on, and uh, or you know, a car that stops just in the nick of time. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and the, the guy didn't even press the brakes. I mean, you know, uh, I suppose one could go through many of these stories, but you know, they, they have their foundational role there, and that's why they were you know, created by God. They're not just these accessories, you know, that are kind of useless, yeah. you know, that, are, that make paintings nice. You know? <laughs> they're, yeah. they're, they're really, uh, they're crucial foundational. Yeah. 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 So without it, uh, everything would fall apart. I mean, the, we can distinguish intellectually between the work of redemption, but the work of redemption can only really be brought about with the, let's say the, the help of the angels themselves. Huh? So. Wow. You're listening to the Kale Clark show on Relevant Radio. My guest is Father Eric Nikolai. This is really, really profound stuff, Father, on the angels. I've never quite thought of it this way before, but it's given me a lot of of food for prayer and consideration. And if you like what you're hearing from Father Nikolai, you will absolutely love his podcast, In Your Presence. And of course, he's speaking those words directly to our Lord. It's a podcast that will really help you pray. Uh, Meditations, if you will, that are preached by Father Nikolai. And you can access this podcast, by the way, really anywhere, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you name it, you can find it, whatever platform you're using. And Father, where, where can people find out more about about you, the podcast? Where can they connect with you on social media? Well, I mean, that's it. I have that podcast, but I also have a, a YouTube channel. You know, it's just Father Eric Nikolai, and you'll see some of the meditations that I've actually filmed. I just put one out yesterday on uh, St. Jerome. Right, there was the Jerome, you know, when he says ignorance of scripture is ignorance of Christ. So that was the latest one that just put together, and and there I included, you know, images of Saint Jerome because there's a there's a whole wealth of iconography of Saint Jerome, and you know, in in the desert and stuff. So I I mentioned some of that. That that was that was fun to do, but uh, but yeah. So you can go to that uh, YouTube channel. Um, I recommend some books. Uh, I know more of the uh, kind of more traditional books. There's there's a famous uh, French author, Georges Hubert, or George Huber, uh, mm-hmm. My Angel Will Go Before You, which mm-hmm. is, a, the title is a quote from the book of Exodus there, where yeah. the angel is leading the people, right? That's actually from today's, uh, today's, today's reading. first reading, so, yeah. Yeah, Georges Hubert, that's a classic 
uh, account of the presence of angels in especially in scripture. And then another famous, uh, well, he's a cardinal, Jean Daniel, the French cardinal, angels and their mission. And so mm. there he kind of goes through the historical, well, scriptural um, appearances of the angels and then, you know, through history, how they've been, uh, you know, treated and, and, and theologically. So it's a, it's a kind of like a standard classical book that I've always uh, recommended with regards to angels. And I'm sure there are many, many others uh, uh, around that I, you know, like I suppose I could mention, but those are the ones that uh, come to mind. Oh, that's just beautiful. So you've definitely given us our homework, Father. I appreciate that. You deal with a lot of students, so you know how important it is for us to to do that and study and keep studying, keep learning about our holy Catholic faith so we can live it better. Father Eric Nikolai, thank you so much for taking the time. It was great to run you down on this amazing, amazing feast day, and I hope you get a chance to celebrate later. Thanks for taking the time. God bless you. Okay. All right. God bless you, too. eh? Take care. Thank you. That is Father Eric Nikolai. Once again, that podcast, In Your Presence. Check out his YouTube channel, and you can find him on the X app at N. Father Eric N. N. We'll be right back on The Kale Clark Show with your questions. I know you're going to want to chime in on this interview for sure. 888-914-9149. We'll be right back. Explaining the faith so you can explain it to others. It's The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Hey, welcome back to the program. It's Monday, October the 2nd, Feast of the Holy Guardian Angels. We just had an incredible interview with Father Eric Nikolai. Man, if you missed it, shame on you, but you can still get the podcast on the Relevant Radio app after the show or wherever you get your podcast. Share it with a friend. People always want to talk about angels, and I'm sure you want to weigh in on this interview as well. For your question about guardian angels, 888 914 9149 888-914-9149. Let's go to the phones right now. Let's go to Greg in St. Paul, Minnesota. Hello, Greg. Good evening, Kale. Uh, thank you so much for your program. I've been listening since the beginning when Father Eric first came on, and I, too, have learned a lot. Um, I remember during a recent homily that there are three choirs of angels, so three uh, tiers, so to speak, and uh, it's just the top tier, um, that we have the names of, of the angels, and we don't know the names of, of the lower six. Okay, so um, this is my question. Uh, I think sacred scripture tells us that, um, and, and not, uh, or sacred scripture does not tell us which angel appeared to Mary, but we assume that it was uh, Raphael. Uh, no, I'm sorry, um, Gabriel. And, yes, and Gabriel. Um, okay, well, when, when Joseph realized uh, um, that he was a part of the divine plan, he was assured through a dream uh, that uh, the status of Mary was was okay. Did that involve an angel? And how did he give his assent if it was in a dream? Mary gave her assent through a fiat. Hmm. But, 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 and, and so, uh, Joseph's ascent, I mean, I think he, he, his mind must have been at peace when he, uh, the, the, the dream happened and, and, uh, he knew that he, he was a part of the divine plan, but it was not the same as Mary's. And, um, they weren't living together at the time, I don't think. Uh, I think Joseph had the dream, uh, and they were not living together yet. So my question is, was, uh, or do you think that an angel was involved 
with that divine communication to Joseph about his role as being the father or the foster father. Um, so I haven't heard anything about that. I just wondering if you have heard it. I, I, I don't know about yeah. in art either. I, I don't know if there's any, there's some really beautiful artwork regarding Joseph, but uh, you see him asleep, but you don't see the presence <laughs> of an angel there. Yeah. That yeah. Is, that's, well, thank, thanks, Greg. That's a great question. And, yeah, the, there's a great statue, and this is popularized by, by Pope Francis soon after he became Pope. It became known that he was a big fan of the statue of sleeping St. Joseph. And uh, uh, many people, I don't know where this originated in, in Latin America or in Argentina, where the Pope's from, but but this custom of, of just having a, a statue of St. Joseph asleep because God spoke to him in dreams and told him what to do. And, and very often what the Pope would do would be he'd take a, a list of all of his problems, all these pieces of paper, and you can imagine he's got a lot of problems, puts them under the statue and just kind of leaves them and says, St. Joseph, you got to intercede for me about this stuff, and I'll tell you what, you're the patron of the Universal Church. Um, please help me. And we can all take a page out of his book as well. We can we can kind of, if we don't have the statue, maybe we can sort of uh, symbolically say, hey, Joseph, please intercede for me as I sleep. Help me not to worry about these problems. Help me give them over to God and, and trust that in the morning I'll somehow have the solution and, and that you'll give me the wisdom that I need. And it's, it's another Pope used to do this, Pope John the 23rd. He used to say at bedtime, Lord, it's your church, not mine. You, you, I'm going to bed. You, there's lots of problems. I'm going to bed. I need some sleep, but I'm just handing things over to you. We, we have to let go and let God, that, that's for sure. But in terms of an angel speaking to Joseph. Yes, we do. We do believe it is an angel because that's what Scripture uh, tells us. And it, it's unique because the angel, of course, appears in a dream, whereas Mary's quite wide awake when, when Gabriel appears to her. And we can find this obviously in Matthew chapter one. We look at let's let's pick it up here at verse eighteen. It says, "Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way." When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man, the Matthew's Gospel is the Gospel of righteousness. It's all about how to be, Jesus teaches us how to be a righteous person. And Joseph's really a paradigm of this, of this righteousness. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And of course, the name Jesus is really in Hebrew, in Hebrew Joshua, Yeshua, which means God saves. So quite, quite literally the case with Jesus. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no relations with her until she had borne a son. And he named him Jesus. Now, what sidebar, that doesn't mean that he did have relations with her after. That would be a misuse of the language. Um... The word until does not mean that something did happen afterwards, uh, such as when Scripture says, he will reign until God will reign, Jesus will reign until all his enemies have been placed under his feet. Does that mean he will stop reigning after this? No, of course not. He'll reign forever. 
But let, let's just get back to the, the angel appears in a dream. Now, it says an angel of the Lord in verse 20, chapter 1 of Matthew, verse 20. Just when he had dis- resolved to dismiss Mary quietly, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. And then, and then of course, he, he does this. He does this. Now, right off the bat, uh, anybody reading this would immediately associate this Joseph who dreams God is speaking to him through an angel with, of course, the patriarch Joseph in the book of Genesis. And, and all the dreams that he had, Joseph the dreamer, his, his brothers didn't really like his dreams, but uh, he, was a, he was a well-known interpreter of dreams as well. And that's all over the book of Genesis. And th- those dreams really had to do with the salvation, ultimately, of his people and the world when, when he's interpreting Pharaoh's dream. This is how to save the entire world from this famine which threatens our lives. So go to Joseph. And this is what uh, Pharaoh says. And we have to go to Joseph, our patriarch, of course. We have to go to Joseph, the head of the church, the head of the Holy Family, the guardian and protector of our Lord. And so this this dream uh, of this new Joseph also obviously has to do with Egypt, as he has to flee to Egypt to to save his family there and to protect the Christ child and Mary from the terrors of Herod. It's amazing the recapitulation, how uh, scripture repeats itself, uh, salvation history repeats itself, it rhymes, as Mark Twain would say. But but this angel of the Lord, is it the angel of the Lord? It says an angel of the Lord. Is it the the angel of the Lord that appears all throughout scripture? That's a great question. Obviously, again in Genesis, Hagar, Hagar is sent away, she's going to die. The angel of the Lord appears to her. Says, don't worry, your kid's not going to die, you're not going to die, everything's, I'm going to take care of you. Abraham as well, Genesis chapter 22, the angel Lord appears to Abraham. And then one of the more famous times, of course, the burning bush. The burning bush in Exodus chapter 3, it says, the angel of the Lord appeared to Moses. This is uh, Exodus 3 verse 2. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So he thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight. And, and of course, this is where God speaks to him out of the burning bush. They have an incredible encounter. He reveals his name to him, I am. So again, there there are many other times where the angel of the Lord shows up and dreams, this idea of of God speaking through dreams, it's, it's very much a scriptural pattern. And... And so he, he we, and you're, you were asking earlier, Greg, did he actually assent to what the angel said? Yeah, he did. Because in verse 24, when Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife. So he was obedient. He was obedient. That's part of his righteousness. So, yeah, we, we, we don't know the name of this angel as we do with, with Gabriel, of course, who appeared to Zechariah and then to Our Lady, of course, in Luke's Gospel. But, um, but there you have it. There you have it. Actually, while we're on the subject of names, I, I gotta, I gotta say this because this question comes up a lot. Should you? Try, some people try to name their guardian angel. They try to give their guardian angel a name, or they try to ask what their guardian angel's name is. This is an interesting practice. People are very curious about this. And Birch Fenelon, a Catholic journalist uh, who, from time to time, has appeared on Morning Air in the past, uh, she wrote a, a little piece about this and. She actually says that the church frowns upon this practice. There, there's something called the Directory on Popular Piety and the Liturgy. 
Uh, it's not necessarily something you might have heard of. It's not like the Catechism of the Catholic Church, but it does say this. The practice of assigning names to the holy angel should be discouraged, except in the cases of Gabriel, Raphael, and Michael, whose, whose names are contained in Holy Scripture. We shouldn't name our guardian angels, she says, because naming another implies authority over the other. And that's an interesting point, because, again, these names of the, of the archangels, they're given to us. We know what they are because God has revealed it. And names are crucially important uh, in the biblical record. Um, Abraham's name was changed from Abram, which means father, to Abraham, father of a multitude. Israel, of course, Jacob becomes Israel. Simon becomes Peter. All of that. And, and I've told you guys before, we've talked about this before, in exorcisms, there's always a struggle over the name because name implies control over someone. So, in essence, it might imply that you're trying to control your angel. This is an interesting thought. Um, they're, they're, they are there not to do your bidding necessarily. They're there to try to help you get in touch with God's will and, and help you find that, grow closer to our Lord. She also suggests, now I, I, again, this is, this is an intriguing thought, and this needs more, explore, more exploration than we have time for right now. This idea that other spirits around you, evil spirits, might be interested in sort of faking uh, out and pretending they're your guardian angel. Uh, interesting. So she says that this is a possibility uh, that you might open yourself to other suggestions if you try to name your angel. Uh, if you hear some voice speaking back to you, you know, I don't know. Again, this is Marge talking, not me. But uh, at any rate, um, what we do need to do is is certainly be in a relationship with our guardian angel for sure. And Father Eric made that very, very clear uh, in our interview. And, and I would just encourage you to do that. To On this day, no better time than today to start talking more with your guardian angel and just asking them to help you and, and just give you that illumination that we all need, all the decisions that we need to make every single day of our lives. All right, what a, what a fun show has been uh, on the Kale Clark Show today talking about guardian angels. I know a number of you are still on the line Please call back tomorrow. I'm sorry that we didn't have time to get to those calls, but please call back tomorrow. We'd love to uh, take your calls as we get back together once again. Jim Shaper produced. Patrick Alog and Miranda took your calls today. My thanks to Father Eric Nikolai for dropping by. Take it away, Michaela. Thank you for listening to my daddy.